a big hello to all of our friends around the world who are watching live on the internet campus. I had a gentleman come up to me in the lobby and said, you know, I've got my family out in California. They watch and they get everybody together and they have a church service around the internet campus. And then we've got another child that lives in the central part of the country who does the very same thing. And how cool is that? I mean, so to all of you folks out there who are part of the McLean Bible Church family, wherever you are, we want to say good afternoon to them. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. Okay. So all of you guys, you're going to say good afternoon to us. We're going to say good afternoon to you. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Good afternoon. It's great to be together as the McLean Bible Church family and to be studying the Word of God. The church. There are probably no two words in all the world that evoke more emotion than those two words. Now, for some people, those words evoke love and affection. For some people, it's a um, shrug of the shoulders. And for some people, it's utter contempt. But the question we want to talk about today is what exactly does God want the church to be? What is it supposed to be? Why did God create it? And then once we answer that question, we want to take McLean Bible Church, our church family, and compare ourselves to this biblical standard and see how we're doing. And then if we're not doing as well as we would like to do, then talk about how can we do better. So that's the plan for today. Okay? We all good? And for next week, two-part series, and um, let's begin. We ready? All right, let's start in Matthew chapter 16. Now, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter, Petros in the Greek, masculine, and upon this rock, Petra in Greek, feminine, I shall build my what? What's the next word? My church. Now, friends, this is the first appearance of the word church anywhere in the Bible, and many people understand Jesus' words here to mean that Simon Peter is the rock upon which the church is built. But that's not at all what Jesus meant here. If he had meant that, he never would have changed the gender from masculine, you are Peter, to feminine, this is the rock I will build my church on. So we have to ask the question, why did he change genders there? Well, friends, it's because we need to know that in Greek, the feminine gender is commonly used not only for female things, but it's also used for ideas, for concepts, for confessions, confessions like you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, uh, Peter, I'm going to build my church not on you, Peter, 
but I'm going to build my church on the confession that you just made that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is why the hymn says the church's one foundation is not Peter. It's not what it says. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his own blood he bought her. And for her life he died. The foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, here we have Jesus creating the church, but we still haven't answered the question, what did he create it for? What's the purpose of the church? Well, the New Testament gives us four purposes for why Jesus created the church, and I want to share them with you very quickly. Purpose number one is to proclaim God's truth as found in the Bible to a lost and dying world. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, I charge you, Timothy, before God, preach the word. Be instant in season or be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with great patience and careful instruction. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that by doing this, the church becomes salt to the world, retarding the world's incorrigible slide towards decay. And by proclaiming the word, the church becomes light to the world, illuminating the world's spiritual darkness and evil and brutality. And my, oh my, friends, how much this world of ours needs spiritual salt and spiritual light, huh? Amen? I mean, women uh, are, are, are sold as animals, as sex slaves here in, in our world, and, and under Sharia law, women are treated like dirt, and women are shot for adultery by the Taliban without even a trial, and little baby girls are killed just because they're, they're girls. And, and uh, I was watching just the other day on television, Mississippi Burning, and I was reminded once again of the amazing, disgusting racism and appalling cruelty and brutality that men are capable of doing to other men. And this is purpose number one of the church, to stand up and say to our world, no, this is not how God tells us to live. This is not the will of God. This is not the way God wants us to act and to keep telling it to our world whether they listen or not, whether they want to hear it or not, and whether it makes us popular or not. This is purpose number one of the church. Purpose number two of the church is to care for one another with the love of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says that in the church we are to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ that Paul's talking about here? Well, John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, 
so shall you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And God's second purpose for creating the church was for the church to be a safe haven for people where believers in Jesus love one another and care for one another and support one another with the love of Christ and where we reach out to non-Christians and offer them that same love and that same support and, and that same care if they're willing to accept it from us. Purpose number three for the church is to reach its world for Christ beginning with its very own city. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But notice where Jesus told the disciples to begin. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, And you will be my witnesses, beginning right here in your hometown of Jerusalem. Friends, Jesus did not tell the disciples to go out and start a foreign missions program. Jesus told the disciples to go out and start a next-door neighbor program. And that's exactly what the early church did. Every city where there was a New Testament church planted, that church inundated that city with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let's just take Jerusalem for an example. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, those 12 disciples had led 5,000 people to Christ. And it keeps going. Acts chapter 5 verse 14. And more and more believers in the Lord, uh, multitudes of men and women, were increasingly being added to their number. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem continued to increase greatly, and even a great many of the Jewish priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And now, let's go 20 years down the corridors of time forward to Acts chapter 21. Here the Apostle Paul shows up in Jerusalem, with a love offering that he's taken for the believers in Jerusalem from all the Gentile churches around the world. And look at what the Apostle James says to him. He says, Acts 21, 20, You see, brother, how many tens of thousands of Jews there are who have right here in Jerusalem believed. The point is that the early church in Jerusalem flat blew their city apart with the gospel and so did every other church in the New Testament. My friends, listen. God did not create the church to build pretty buildings with pretty steeples and ring pretty bells every 15 minutes. No, no. God created the church to preach the gospel and share Christ with lost people and bring lost people to faith in the Lord Jesus and to flat turn their cities on their heads for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is purpose number three for the church. Finally, number four, fourth purpose for the church is to make believers into disciples. You see, friends, every believer in Jesus is not a disciple of Jesus. A disciple 
is a person who's crossed a line. Disciples are people who've made a higher commitment, a commitment to live differently and to see the world differently and to run their lives differently, not only differently than non-Christians, but to even run their lives differently than ordinary believers in Jesus. Disciples are people who have made a 100% surrender of their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And where did disciples come from? Well, what did Jesus say? Matthew 28, 19. He said, go into all the world, and what's the next word? <clears throat> Make disciples. Friends, disciples aren't born. They're made. They're made by a deliberate process that a church carries on, a process of spiritual investment, a process of spiritual mentoring where mature believers help younger believers to step across that discipleship line and to stay across that discipleship line and then to begin help their friends get across that discipleship line so that this is an ongoing, repeatable process. This is where disciples come from. And this is purpose number four of the church to make these kind of disciples. So can we summarize? What did God create the church to be? Number one, he created the church to proclaim God's truth to a lost world. Number two, he created the church to care for one another with the love of Christ. Number three, he created the church to reach its world for Christ beginning in its own city. And number four, he created the church to make believers into disciples. Now, We've answered the question that we first asked. So now it's time for us to ask another question. And you know what this question is, don't you? Yeah? And you came here today missing this question for the last couple weeks. And you came here today longing uh, to ask this question, right? And you came here today saying, oh, I hope. He makes us ask that question, didn't you? Okay. Well, we are going to fulfill your longings today because we're ready to do this. So, all right, 1230 service. We've had some good services before, but you guys never lose. So are you ready? All you guys on the Internet, you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> awesome. You guys are awesome. All right. You say, so what, Lon? I mean, okay, so I understand now what the church is all about. What difference does that make to me? Well, we want to talk now not so much about the church. We want to talk about our church. And, and this is what our elders and our senior leaders and our campus pastors have been doing for the last 12 months. It is the most comprehensive zero-based strategic evaluation that we've done of ourselves in the last 20 years in this church. Meanwhile, during those same 20 years, God has graciously grown this church from 1,000 people to 20,000 people, more than 20,000 people. So, as you can imagine, this has been a daunting task. 
one that has taken a lot longer than I ever thought it would take, but it's been a healthy thing. It's been a good thing, and it's convinced us that we need to make some changes. Now, these changes won't all be easy changes, but these are changes that we believe will make us a better church, will make us a stronger church, and most important of all, will make us a more biblically aligned church family. But before I tell you a little more about that, let me just say one very important thing, and that is I want you to understand that everything I'm going to tell you today has been discussed and prayed over and taken before the Lord for literally hundreds of hours by our staff and our campus pastors, and then we've taken it to our elders, and they've given it careful spiritual scrutiny and approved it unanimously. The point I want you to understand is that what I'm talking to you about today is not some knee-jerk plan that we came up on the back of an envelope with in a room, but rather it's something that every one of us as the leaders of this church believe is God's will and God's way forward for McLean Bible Church. Comprende? See? All right. Okay. Now, in light of that, let's talk about how we're doing right now, currently, in light of the purposes of the church, shall we? How about purpose number one? Proclaiming God's truth to a lost world. Well, we believe that we are faithfully proclaiming God's truth here. We believe that we're doing a good job of taking the Word of God, the true Word of God, and, and, and preaching and teaching what the true Word of God really means, but we believe we need to do a better job of getting that truth out there to our world in ways that our world can connect with better in the 21st century. And so what this means, just some examples, is we need to completely overhaul our website and really bring it up to snuff. We need to establish a strong presence in social media because this is how our world is communicating today. We need to get back to the amount of time we used to buy on the radio, a secular radio for not a sermon, just a thought. I've had people come up to me and say, are we still on the radio? I never hear not a sermon, just a thought anymore. Well, we are still on. But over the last two or three years, we've had to cut our radio budget by more than 50% to try to make everything else work around here. And friends, the radio has been the single greatest tool that God has used to help us get the truth of God out into Washington, D.C. We need to get back to where people every day are saying, hey, I heard you on the radio today. I heard not a sermon, just a thought. And all of this means that we are going to have to reallocate some serious resources to get all of this done. Number two, how are we doing when it comes to the second purpose of the church, and that is caring for one another with the love of Christ? Well, we think we're doing pretty good, uh, but we can always do better. And so we have uh, made plans to re-assign uh, uh, um, some of our staff people internally so that we can do a better job of caring for people's needs and reaching out with the care of Christ and the love of Christ to people outside this church. Number three, how are we doing when it comes to reaching metropolitan Washington for Christ? Well, it's true that a lot of people 
have come to Christ here because of the ministry of McLean Bible Church. And that's exciting. Hey, you know, back at Christmas when we did a sermon and we gave a salvation prayer and I said everybody who has given their, you know, prayed that prayer and given their life to Christ, go sign up for Christianity 101. We had 280 people go out and sign up for Christianity 101. For Easter, when we did the very same thing several weeks ago, we had 325 people go out and sign up for Christianity 101. That's 600 people in 90 days. But we are not satisfied. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Let me tell you why. Friends, we have over 20,000 people who call this church their church home. The early church in Jerusalem had a quarter of that number, 5,000. And with a quarter of that number, they blew that city up for the gospel. Now, with 20,000 people, we believe that we should be having a much greater impact on this town than we're having. And we've been spending the last year trying to figure out why we're not and trying to figure out how we can, what we can do to fix it. And I'm going to spend much of next week talking to you about this. But the key thing, one of the key things we've realized is that, stick with me here, to do a better job on purpose number three, impacting secular Washington for Christ, we must do a better job on purpose number four, which is building disciples at McLean Bible Church. And let me tell you why. It's because when you read the New Testament very quickly, you and I can't help but notice that the early church was full of people who lived a lifestyle of evangelism. You say, what do you mean by that? Friends, a lifestyle of evangelism means that every day those people live, everywhere they went, with every person they met, they were bubbling over to share Christ with those people. And this is how the early church, listen to me, made the impact that they did on their culture. It was not because they had a great evangelism program. No, no. It's because the early church was an army of personal evangelists who hit the streets every single day, as Peter said, always ready to give an answer to everyone who asked them about the hope they had in them. They were an army of evangelists. But you know, here's the key point. Don't miss it. Only a disciple lives like this. An ordinary believer doesn't live like this. They're embarrassed, or they're worried what people think about them, or they've never learned how to share their faith, or they're too concerned about their popularity. No, no, an ordinary believer doesn't live like this. Only a disciple who is sold out 100% to the Lordship of Christ, who believes the Bible that lost people are going to hell, who has taken the time to learn how to share his or her faith. Only disciples live like this, a lifestyle of evangelism. And what this means, my friends, here's the equation we have to live with. A low number of disciples at McLean Bible Church equals a low number of believers living a lifestyle of evangelism here equals a low impact for Christ on Washington. 
I don't care how many people sit in the pews. That has nothing to do with it. It's all about how many people hit the streets with a lifestyle of evangelism. Amen? All right. A couple of you agree. That's good. Now, listen. If we're going to make a bigger impact on this city for Christ, we must make more disciples here at McLean Bible Church. And that's the challenge before us. Now, have we never made a disciple here at McLean Bible Church? Of course we have. I mean, we, we, we've had some success at disciple-making over the years. But what we have failed to do is to build a climate of discipleship, a culture of discipleship. You say, what do you mean by a culture of discipleship? Friends, a culture of discipleship is when every single person here can be asked the question, who is spiritually pouring into you at McLean Bible Church, and who are you spiritually pouring into at McLean Bible Church, and you got an answer on both ends of that question. That's a culture of discipleship when we all have an answer to that question. And folks, if we can build a culture of discipleship, it is inevitable, it is inevitable that a culture of personal evangelism will follow. It must follow because disciples share their faith. It's one of the distinguishing marks of a disciple. Build disciples and you will build an army of evangelists. It has to happen and it will. And what this means is if we're serious about this, again, we're going to have to retool some of McLean Bible Church and reallocate some resources here at McLean Bible Church to build this kind of culture. Now, do we all see this? We got this? Everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay. And this week, with much prayer, we're going to begin implementing these kind of changes that we feel need to happen here. It's going to take us a while. We're going to have to, you know, ramp up, but we're going to start this week. You say, what exactly does that mean? I mean, and what are these changes going to look like? And, and, and what, 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 what exactly is this going to look like? Well, friends, I haven't got time to tell you right now. Come next week. We're going to give you, we're going to answer those questions by giving out information in three ways this coming week. One, we have a sermon next week. I'm going to talk to you more about this. Don't miss it. Number two, I'm going to send out an email to everyone on our email list on Tuesday night giving more detail about some of what's happening here and the changes that are taking place. You don't want to miss that email. If you don't get a regular email from McLean Bible Church at least once a month, you're not on our email list. Go onto our website and sign up before Tuesday so you get this email. And third, we're going to have a town meeting on Thursday night at 7.30 right here. And you come, and we're going to share with you. Uh, I'll be there. The chairman of our elders will be there. And we're going to talk with you and answer questions and handle concerns. If you can't make it Thursday night, we're going to have another one next week. So this is how we're going to release information and, and answer all of your questions. And we want to answer your questions. But let me just say in conclusion that I think this is an exciting time to be part of McLean Bible Church. I do. I believe by the time we're done, the new McLean Bible Church is going to be a stronger church. 
I believe it's going to be a more focused church. And I believe it's going to be a more powerful church in the hand of Almighty God to reach this city for Christ. And I hope that you're excited about what you're hearing because I believe that this is the future and the way forward for this church not to become irrelevant over the next 50 years. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, one final thing. Could I ask you to please pray for us? I'm serious. We covet your prayers. Your leaders, your campus pastors, your elders, we need your prayers, friends. We need prayers for humility, your prayers for humility, and we need prayers for wisdom and prayers for courage to lead our church family through the changes that have to be made here. And, 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 and I would also ask you to pray that God would be pleased with what we're doing here. Remember, this is not my church. This is not your church. This church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all we're trying to do is to take this church where he wants it to go and please him with the kind of church that results. That's what we're trying to do. That's our heart. But let's pray that the Lord will be pleased and that he'll honor that the fact that we're trying to make McLean Bible Church the best it can be for the Lord Jesus. And finally, I want you to pray against the enemy because the enemy loves this moment. He loves when change is happening because he uses rumor and he uses gossip and he uses misinformation and he uses disinformation to cause disunity and disruption in a church and we are determined that by the grace of God, that's not going to happen here. But we need to pray against him because these are the moments he licks his chops when he sees coming. And we need to pray God put a hedge around this church, a fence of protection, and say, no, that's not happening here at McLean Bible Church. So will you guys pray with us? Can we count on you to pray as we move forward? Yes? Will you pray for us? All right, fair enough. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for giving me the privilege over the last 30-some years to be your under-shepherd here at McLean Bible Church. It is a deep privilege and an honor that I am so grateful for. But Lord, I've not been a perfect leader. And there are some changes that we need to make. And so I want to ask you for humility for our leaders and wisdom and courage. And I want to ask you, Father, to be pleased with our hearts that this is not about us. This is about your church and wanting your church to be everything that you created it and want it to be. So help us, Lord. And finally, I want to pray against the enemy today, that you would stifle his attempts that we know are coming to divide this church, to cause havoc and disruption in our church family, to use, as I said, gossip and rumor and misinformation. Lord, put a hedge around this church and protect us from his onslaught. 
and help us to move forward as a united band of brothers and sisters in Christ whose one and only goal is to see Jesus exalted through this church and in this city. So God, we lay ourselves at your feet and we ask for your special grace and your special guidance in the days ahead. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And what did God's people say? Amen. Amen. All right, hope to see you this week. All right? Or next week as on Sunday. God bless you. Have a good day.